It was a year ago, almost to the day, that Lindsay Butterworth first came into the consciousness of a lot of track fans. The half-miler was already showing a lot of promise early in her season, turning out fast times of both the 800 as well as the 1500. So when she got the chance to run the National 800 at the legendary Prefontaine Classic, probably the biggest track and field event in North America, it wasn't too much of a surprise that she ended up knocking it out of the park and taking home third place. From there, her season was comprised of career milestones and moments that she will likely never forget, including taking home the National 800 Meter Championship and setting a new PB of 200.81. Lindsay has proven that she is a clutch runner, coming prepared when she needs to the most, and this week, she joins us to chat about her big breakout season, a chance to hopefully represent the Maple Leaf again at the World Championships this year, and even talks about her number one fan, partner, and a person who is having his own breakout season, Justin Kent. That and a whole lot more coming up. This is The Terminal Mile. I'm Michael Rokas. We're at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram. And this is a Tracky Radio production. All right, so I, you know you already have a couple of races uh, under your belt this season. Um, how is 2019 going for you uh, in this outdoor season? Yeah, it's been good. Um, my first couple races were good, but um, a bit faster than the same time last year. So I've been pretty happy so far. I just ran in Guadeloupe, which is um, somewhere I've never been before. And this year I'm trying to um, take advantage of every opportunity I have. And I've been trying to kind of switch things up a bit and and try not to do the same races that I do every year. So um, I ran another season's best this past weekend, and it was pretty much the exact same time as I ran at this time last year. So um, it's still progress and I'm still happy with it, but I definitely have um, some high expectations for this year and it's hard not to be impatient, but it's May and it's super early. So I'm definitely excited with how the season started off and, and getting going. Oh, totally. And, you know, there, there's a lot to talk about there, including, you know, what you're doing this time last year. But I'm, I'm noticing that there's already been a couple of 1500 uh, races under your belt this, this season. And I know that, that you kind of like to to try your try your hand at the 1500 a couple times a season. But uh, there already seems to be a couple of early results. Is that something that you're doing consciously? I mean, are you thinking of moving in that direction? Um, I usually do a 1500, a couple of them early on in the season. So um, I'm still definitely going to focus on the eight this year, but I might try and do a couple more 15s later on in the season just to see how I go. And I feel like I say this every year that I want (laughs) to do a couple more 15s because I always run well early on and I always finish a 15 feeling like I can run so much faster in it but then it's hard to um to miss an opportunity to run an 800 later on in the season to run a 15 so that's what I always kind of battle with um by trying to trying to do well in multiple events but um I I do want to I do want to do another one this year later on in the season it could be pretty fun and I feel like I could run faster but um, we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, looking at your personal best, which you, you ran last year, it's a 410.95. I'm sure you want to take at least 0.96 off of that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take yeah. a wild guess there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I thought this would be the year. I ran that um, at the Brian Clay Invitational last year, and then I went back there this year and ran 411. And um, it was not the most ideal race tactically. I didn't make the smartest moves, so I know there's a lot more there. So even just having that experience, I still feel like I can run a lot faster in the 15. And if I'm in a better race and run a little bit more, um, smart tactically. Okay. So, you know, world championships, they are a little bit later this year. Uh, they're going to be running late September, early October. Has that really had any sort of effect on, on your racing? I know the national championships have been pushed back by, I believe a, a week or two. Yeah. Overall, how has that affected your racing schedule? Um, yeah, it definitely has affected the schedule. Um, I honestly don't know what I'm going to be doing in July and August. <laughs> um, I still haven't figured that out yet, but I think we're just trying to take it um, month by month and see what opportunities come up and just know that there's tons of opportunities out there and it is a really long season. So just trying to pick and choose strategically which ones I want to take advantage of and um, basically just try and get into the highest level meets that I can this year. But um, hopefully by in the next few weeks, I'll kind of know what my July looks like, but it has been um, quite different trying to figure out um, like there's a lot of races in Europe in July and August. So trying to figure out when the best time to go is then and um, putting nationals in the middle of that as well, um, because nationals is later usually, We'll have nationals at the beginning of July and then I'll go to Europe Europe for like three weeks after. So that always works out really nicely. But this year, it'll probably look quite different than that. You know, we have to talk about last year. Last year was such a breakout year for you. Uh, you podiumed at a, at a Diamond League event. Uh, you were the national champion. Uh, and then you, you raced at, at the NACAC championships as well too, setting a new PB. Um, yeah. You know, if you could sum up 2018 really quickly, what would you say, you know, the big lessons learned and what were the big highlights for you from, from that year? Um, I think the, the biggest lessons learned was early on. I had, um, I was able to win a lot of races and um, they weren't like huge, like high level meets that I was winning, but it's still built momentum and built confidence that I could compete and win races. So I think that was the start of it. And then um, that kind of allowed me to build that confidence and, and kind of not be afraid to lead or not be afraid to compete or um, make an early move. So those were kind of the lessons that um, I learned along the way throughout the season and just kind of building that momentum and uh, having consistent races. Like I ran 202 quite a bit last year and then I've run 202. I, like I had gotten faster every year since 2015, but I still ran 202 like every year. So I think I was really ready for a breakthrough and ready to run a lot faster than 202 um, and so I hope that this year I'll just continue that momentum um, and be able to just keep getting faster. And probably the highlight was 
I think probably two highlights from last year. One um, was the Festival of Miles race in St. Louis. So that was where I PB'd for the first time last season and ran 201 for the first time. And I wasn't really feeling that good leading up to the race and um, was a bit tired because I had been traveling for a couple weeks straight and, and I just went in and competed and didn't really have super high expectations and then it turned out to be a PB. So I think that was a highlight. And then obviously national was a highlight. I just felt, um, I felt composed and I believed in myself that I could compete. And I think that the the time was just um, an added surprise. Like I was not, I was just looking to win the race. I wasn't looking to run a crazy time. So I think that just added to the emotion and the highlight. And I was just super, um, super proud of myself. And I feel like I handled everything really well leading up to it and was just super composed and, and positive and really just enjoying racing and enjoying competing and enjoying the moment, I guess. So this almost to the day one year ago, um, you came third place at the at the Prefontaine Classic. You know the the fields there are just always so so stacked. I mean, like how how did that affect your confidence? You know, ending up on the podium in a race like that. Yeah, um, I was in the national section, so it's not like I was um, coming third behind Castor Semenya or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was still a really good experience and I found out kind of last minute that I got into that section. So um, I, I didn't really have that much time to think about it leading into it. Um, but it was definitely a cool experience to be at a diamond league and um, compete in that environment, in that atmosphere and um, know who else is in the meet. And um, it was a lot of fun and, um, even though the time wasn't what I wanted, I'm still, it still allowed me to learn from that race and know that I had more to give. And I think that helped, um, just to keep consistently running those times and then have the breakthrough at St. Louis and then another one at nationals. You know, people talk about the, the atmosphere of Hayward field, um, and how that can really affect races. Now, at, at this point, you've you've raced in, in quite a few, you know, big environments like that. You know, Hayward, uh, you also raced at the World Championships in, in 2017. Uh, you did NACAX, you've done Nationals. You, you just have this complete resume. What, what do crowds do for you now? And, and kind, kind of who had the best uh, atmosphere, do you think? Oh, um, London was hands down the most incredible atmosphere I've ever been in um it was like insane to run in front of that many people there I think there was like 80,000 people in the stand so that's um definitely by far the most number of people I've ever run in front of before and it was such an amazing experience and um that I think that experience definitely helped me over the next two, well, a year and a half to um, to definitely build that confidence and um, and want to race in that kind of environment again. 
Um, you know, racing in, in the high-profile events that, that you did last year and, you know, take a look at some of the ones that, that you've raced in this year, uh, again, just really, really good fields. It, how would you say that, I mean, like, the 800 is, is known for mostly it's fast running and the 1500 has always kind of gotten the, the rep as being your more strategic sort of race. But I have to think that, that your racing strategies have, have kind of changed in the 800, uh, you know, as you've taken on you know, more and more fast fields and, and really experienced runners. Would you say that, that you've learned a lot that way? And, and how have your racing plans kind of changed as a result of it and your strategy? Yeah, I definitely um, have worked on going out a lot faster and getting a better position in the first 200. And that's really important to be able to get a good position and go out fast enough. Um, and through the first 400 to set yourself up to run a good time. So I've definitely practiced that a lot. And the high-level competitions just um, provide that opportunity where you know it's going to go out fast. And if you just get in a good position and hang on and then close well, then you know you're going to run a good time. So um, that's kind of how the high-performance meets set you up because – you don't really have to think about time because if you just go out and compete with everyone else in the race, you're going to run well. Yeah. I I mean, like take a look at your record, you've run a a few open 400s. Is is that something that that you kind of like to do? Is that something that you're going to continue to do? Um, I haven't run a 400 in a while actually, which is something I'd like to do, but I just, I'm not sure. Um, when (laughs) because I I would typically do one like earlier on in the season like in April maybe at like one of the SFU meets where I train at um so it's kind of a lower key meet I've never really like traveled to run a 400 before um but it definitely helps but um we do a lot of 400s in practice like at race pace or faster so I feel like that gives me a good opportunity to know the feeling of going out in a race um but i've also done like when i ran for sfu i did a lot of four by fours and those were always super fun so it would be nice to just like form some random team and do a four by four somewhere but i don't know (laughs) where that would be or when so um yeah it's it's something that i would want to do but i don't want to again miss out on another 800 opportunity to run a 400 i guess Oh, hey, you know, just this past weekend, um, you ran in France. Maybe talk a little bit about that race. What uh, what were the circumstances that, that brought you over there, and, and what was that race like for you? Yeah, so that was the Guadeloupe one, which um, I, it's like a tiny little island in the Caribbean that I didn't know existed, hmm. but it was super cool to go there, um, and it was, it was a really good meet. There were a lot of um, sprint events there. So there are some pretty high profile sprinters from the U.S. and a lot from the Caribbean, um, that kind of thing. Some Canadians as well. And then there was just a women's 800, which they had set up really nicely. There's a pacer and there are some um, there's some really good competition there. So I was third and I ran a season's best, but it was it was just um pretty cool to go to a new place it was like a prime vacation spot so it was a lot of fun and um it was a really good opportunity so i'm really happy i went and hopefully i can go again next year but um i just 
kind of, I've never been there before and never done that race. So we just kind of wanted to switch it up and it was a really good opportunity. So the race was one and two flat. Um, so it was, it was good. You know, there was uh, there's pretty big news on the on the 800 uh, front this past weekend as well. Um, nationally, anyways, Melissa Bishop back to to run her fr- first race, a, a 1500 in Windsor. Uh, did did you catch that race? You know, did you did you kind of see you know where where she was at with that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's like I'm on social media, so <laughs> it's <laughs> all over social media. But um, yeah, and. I actually follow Melissa and just look at how cute her baby is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I knew she was going to be back and um, I'm definitely not surprised at where she's at and um, she's so talented. So I know she'll be back for sure. Yeah, you know, that's that's one thing that I thought uh, has always been interesting is, is that the you have the this person who is you know so high profile and i think has almost transcended the sport but uh you on the other hand you almost seem kind of overshadowed you, you know you don't get a, a ton of the spotlight is that something that you're super comfortable with or you know could you see yourself moving into her role and you know kind of getting a lot more of the the cameras and stuff on you um i definitely noticed it last year in her absence um because i was doing well and um especially like leading up to the harry jerome meet um there i i definitely noticed there was more of a spotlight on me just because i guess i was the next person in line doing well but um it's not really something that i focus on or kind of think about um because i'm in the sport because i love running and i love competing and i want to do well for myself so um any of any of the like publicity, I guess, or like spotlight, um, I don't mind, but I'm not like, like eager for it to, to come my way, if that makes sense. (laughs) Oh, for sure. You know, in her absence, we, we really saw how, how deep the field is in Canada. Um, and even, even this past winter, we saw, you know, some really, really great racing indoors as well too. Who, who are some of the people that you have your eye on and, uh, who are the people that, that you watch, uh, you know, in the Canadian field? Yeah, it's definitely the women's 800 has gotten a lot deeper over the past year. Like um, last year, I think we all really raised the bar. So that's really exciting for the sport and for the event. Um, And I think just probably like the top, um, I guess like everyone in the Canadian final last year um, has been running well and um definitely raised the bar for competition for the 800 in Canada. I think this is probably like the fastest um, group of Canadian women, like in a very long time or ever that have been running all like 202 or better. So it's pretty exciting and um, it definitely gets um, build some excitement for nationals because um, everyone's pretty, pretty close together and, and then that just allows us to really compete against each other and and compete at the best of our abilities and raises keeps raising the bar for further years. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, what what does this do for nationals for the for you this year? Is this something that that you're always you know already kind of looking forward to, or you know, like how how are you feeling about it now? Yeah, nationals is always something that we're looking forward to. Like we 
we build our season basically um, to do well at nationals. So um, I'm always kind of thinking about nationals and I definitely want to place well there. And, um, but there's also other, other things I want to focus on this year too, and getting into good opportunities and challenging myself and, and going out um, and sticking to my plan um, and, and kind of focusing on myself as well. Is there any pressure as, as a returning, um, you know, as, as a defending champion? I think there's just always pressure regardless. Like I think pressure from other people um, doesn't really bother me, but um, pressure from, it's mostly pressure from myself. Um, and I know what I'm capable of and um, what I want to accomplish. So I think um, that's, that's what the pressure comes from. Um, but I, I also feel like I do really well under pressure. Um, and, and that's when I am at my best, when I have a lot of pressure on myself or if there's um, pressure externally on me too. You know, you have a you have a bit of an interesting dynamic that I don't think everyone has. In that, you know, at, at big events like like nationals and stuff, not only are you watching for yourself, but uh, you have someone else that you're watching there as well too that that you're very closely tied with. You know, how does how does that affect your own racing? Um, you know, having having Justin Kent there and stuff. Oh, it helps so much. Um, he is my biggest fan, and I'm his biggest fan, and he's so supportive. Um, and really every, not just at nationals, but every day helps me be the best that I can be. And I do the same for him. So, um, it's, it's really nice to have someone in the sport who's there doing the exact same thing and has the same goals as you. Um, and that just helps us both because then we, we fully understand each other and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And then that just allows us to support each other even more. So, yeah, it's it's definitely helpful. And it's so much fun to watch him at Nationals. And I'm sure he has a lot of fun watching me. So it's, yeah, probably the best, one of the best parts of the sport is being able to travel and um, compete alongside your partner. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. And he's super supportive and positive and definitely makes me better every day okay so so give us some info insider info here is this is 2019 going to be you know his big breakout year like 2018 was was your big breakout year oh i don't want to jinx anything but i really (laughs) hope so he's he's still on cloud nine about winning the sun run and he's racing in ottawa this weekend and i think i think he's in the best shape of his life but I definitely don't want to jinx anything and I just want him to run and showcase his fitness because I feel like he's had some pretty bad luck with injuries and, and little, little things that have gone on that haven't allowed him to really showcase how fit he is in previous years. And this year I think he's the fittest he's ever been and he is super healthy and just deserves this um deserves to run as well as he can all right well we're, we're all knocking on wood for him all right well what what are the big goals for the for the remainder of the season you know like what are some time goals some placing goals and uh where can we catch you you know 
in in races that that you know for sure that you'll be racing yeah um i definitely want obviously to pb again this year um i don't really try and focus on specific time goals i just try and try and run faster every year and then obviously just compete at nationals and do well um and hopefully make the pan am team and the world championship team those are the big goals this year so um that's um pretty much pretty much what i want to accomplish this year which are some pretty big goals but um my next race is going to be in st louis again actually i'm going back to festival of miles and it's next week so i'm excited for that because i've raced there two other times now and it's always a really good one so i'm excited for that well we we have your we have our fingers crossed uh for you both you and justin um yeah you know all the all the best of luck this season and you know i i think we're we're gonna see some big ones this year i i really really hope so hey thanks for being on the show this week i really really appreciate it thank you so much for reaching out that wraps up another edition of the terminal mile big thanks to Lindsay as well as to tracky for their ongoing support Quick note that we now have a weekly track news program out every Monday. It's just a quick five minutes to connect you with what's happening in the Canadian track and field world. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to automatically get in your feed. And hey, while you're there, shoot us a rating and drop us a comment. We always enjoy hearing from you. Big thanks to you for listening. My name is Michael Rokas, and you've been listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on both Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. Hey.